You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Hello everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. So, I know that sometimes we can run our intros a little long, but I just wanted to talk to you guys about this thing I'm really excited about. Oh yeah? So, I've been working on a tattoo design for a little while because, I mean, I don't do my own tattoos, but as both of you guys know... And maybe some of our audience might know I am an artist and I like to at least sketch out ideas for myself when I go do my tattoos and everything. And I I like to have a personal touch with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm totally fine with the tattoo artist taking their own approach after that. But I like to have the sketch in my mind. Yeah. And like, it's good to bring them something. Like a general guideline to what you want. Exactly. And for a while, like probably a year or two now, I've really wanted a Dungeons & Dragons tattoo. But Hell yeah. Yes. But all my tattoos are very simplistic, which is just kind of the the realm that I've preferred to stay in because I think that's what looks good on me. And I've really struggled with trying to figure out exactly what kind of Dungeons & Dragons tattoo I want to get because I love Dungeons & Dragons, but so much of the art is so complex and beautiful and covered in colors and i love it but i don't think i would love it on my body <laughs> you mean you don't want like the dm's guide for fifth edition featuring a Sarek, just like basically like slapping the entire thing on your back you mean you don't want that you know maybe in the future but not right now <laughs> <laughs> so what have you come up with so far if you're trying to stick with uh, simplicity? So I have a D20 design, you know, your basic geometric shape. And I think I want to put succulents in it because of the concept of how D&D has kind of given me a second life almost and kind of also helped me like grow into my own self and everything and D&D is just such a big part of my life. I just want it on my body. <laughs> also, succulents are cool and very aesthetically pleasing to look at. Basically, it's the only thing I can think of where I can incorporate all the things about D&D that I like and that are important to me and like that are easily recognizable without just slapping all the dice on my body. <laughs> I mean, you could do that, though. True. Well, I might have an idea on how to help you with your design. Oh, yeah? Oh. So, as you guys know, and our audience doesn't at this point, I've been trying to plan our next campaign, been looking through a bunch of stuff, came across something that could be interesting. Okay. Okay. So, I've decided that we're going to talk about loot tables in the sense of, like, what could you get from this encounter or... Okay. Two things. Uh Uh-huh. I don't see how that's relevant to, like... Is she going to get a tattoo of a loot table, or is it just like... I mean, there's different, like, items and loot tables that could be aesthetically pleasing with a succulent. <laughs> you just, or... like, go to a fair. You go to a tattoo artist. It's like a... They're like a nerdy tattoo shop, and it's like you can you can roll, like, a D12 for a design <laughs> out of their flashbook or oh something. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, like... <sighs> I know that you were trying something different with, like, the Waterdeep episode, like, making it about, like, a 
a city instead of like a particular person or whatever, but loot tables? <sighs> you there's a We're gonna... lot of items. Okay, okay, okay. Here, All how right. about this? Uh, you know what? You know what? We'll just we'll I'll sit back and I'll hold my opinions, probably all of them, and just let you talk All right, about so it. picture this then. Let's get this started this way. Okay. Picture we were still running our last campaign, right? Yeah. Aww. Drella, Nixus, you guys, the whole party was going through this dungeon of, like, this mad necromancer. Okay. You finally... Oh, what, so they're a necromancer, so they have to be mad? Yes. Yes. You saying all necromancers are mad? <laughs> they play with the dead. You know what? Some necromancers are very nice. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> this particular one was mad. Okay, okay. cool. All right, all right. So you finally like go through the whole fight, you're beat and bruised, but you finally get to where he has his horde of like magical items and stuff. Okay. Vandriel goes up, picks the lock, not a problem, walks in, and you look and there's just shit everywhere for you Ooh. to loot. Okay. Chests on tables and chandeliers made of like platinum, just... So Anything we're you can think set of. for the campaign. Pretty much. All you have to do is get it out. So you start gathering up, and you turn around, and the door bites you. Oh, oh shit! No. Mimics, bitch! Ah! Uh. Nah, I ain't doing loot tales. We're doing mimics. Hell yeah. Hell I, yeah. I like how you turned this episode into a mimic. Thank you. It was pretty nice. <laughs> I had to go with something other than a chest, because people are suspicious of... Chests, if they know that mimics are about. True. But True. doors, archways, wall partitions. Okay, but do you have do you have the the stat block for the door mimic? I I, I do not. But okay. they're all are we gonna roughly make one? the same. Are we gonna make one? A mimic. Lewin's really excited about the door mimic. A mimic stat block is the same for no matter what object it takes. Oh, yeah. No, I do know that because I made a mimic one time. I do actually know that. I just forgot that. Yeah. So anyway. Chest mimics are pretty cool, though, and like the most prevalent that you think of because we have three mimic minis and two of them are chests. Exactly. And one is a barrel. So I mean, and, and you know, chests are like the receptacle, really. Yeah. They're, they're the fantasy receptacle. Exactly. Right. And I feel like a lot of people think of a mimic and go, okay, chests, maybe With... a barrel, maybe a door, because doors are pretty common mimics as well. But mimics can be anything almost. In any, like, inanimate object? Pretty much. And I've never looked into the actual, like, I'm going to say science into how <laughs> they transform their bodies to look like this because they're amorphous. Like their original form is just like a gray amorphous blob that has like pseudopods that it can like use to move around and move attack. Around and attack. That's yeah. fucking cool. So Mimics obviously first appeared in the... Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. Okay. Which is actually where most of this information comes from. They've been in all other editions like since. They've had the various changes of like type and stuff, but they're the same Acid. basically all the way through. Yeah. Their origin stories are not terribly written about though. Like the most I was able to find is most of them are consisting of the same story. They were created by a singular powerful wizard or like multiple wizards for various purposes, including to like help protect their treasure from treasure hunters or as servants on long trips. But as anyone knows, mimics probably wouldn't make great servants because they just their like whole to thing eat. is to eat. So 
then the wizards kind of like abandoned them and they went off to do their own thing. What were they? I wonder what they were thinking though. Like as far as like a ser- like to take them as a servant. The on only a long thing that voyage, I can think of is right? like maybe feeding it like their items and then having it regurgitated back when they get there, so it's less of a load. Because mimics can carry a lot of stuff. Huh. True. True. And especially depending on the size of the mimic, it's insane. There are, well, originally there were only two types of mimics, and this is something that I had no idea about either. There's a larger, semi-intelligent version, known as the killer mimic, and a slightly smaller version, which is just a regular mimic, but these are the more intelligent ones. Huh. They have their own language. That is something I did not know. Interesting. And can usually actually speak other languages, such as common, orcish, elven, pretty much whatever language is primarily spoken in the area the area that they choose. Okay. So they can be talked to. That is something that I had no clue about. Like, I kind of just thought of Mimics as this, like, bestial type creature that just knew enough to, like, resemble something that was... What's the word I'm looking for here? Like, desirable to people. Yeah. Well, and also, not just that, but also, like, y- you know, in the context of, like, the fact that Dungeons & Dragons is a game that people play, that they sort of existed just to be a gotcha. Yeah. Right. That you can pull on your greedy friends. <laughs> no, because I guess from their original creation, they then kind of just turned into their own sort of race, in a sense. So, huh. So the smaller variants are still deadly, obviously, but if you reason with it, like offer it food, mostly, sometimes they'll take valuable items because then they'll use the items they get to lure more prey in. Right. But most of the time they'll take food. They'll trade that for information about like the area around them, what they've seen. If you're looking for something specific and this mimic has seen it, you can talk to it. That's really cool. Offer it food and voila. <laughs> huh. You've what do now they made like friends to, What do them? they like to eat? Meat. Meat. Yeah. They are strictly carnivore. Oh, God. I'm just imagining, like, a party of, like, evil or just teetering chaotic neutral characters being like, hey, you can have one of our party members. <gasps> oh, my God. Because <laughs> my first thought wasn't just, like, meat. My first thought was specifically, like, the flesh of human Live creatures. Meat. Ooh, that, so it's like, that is terrifying. <laughs> Vandross just like, you can have Nixus. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just take the small one. It's fine. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. That took a dark turn. That did. That was just like my first thought when I I asked the rhetorical question, then I answered it for myself. It's okay. My thought was just go outside and find a goblin. Bring it back. I I, am bad. Damn. I know. (laughs) Or it's like. Are you guys okay? Do we Maybe. need to have a talk after this? Listen, like, listen, mimic situations require creative solutions. <laughs> All right? I'm just not even going to touch that one. I mean, she's right, though. I yeah. mean, you're right, but... So naturally... Naturally. Dragon Magazine <laughs> actually released an article that went into, like, more depth on a mimic. Okay. It was Dragon Magazine number 75, which I think was in 88... Don't quote me on that, though, because I've <laughs> looked at a lot of Dragon magazines and could have the years mixed up. It was probably in the late 80s. Probably. So, obviously, mimics change their body type, 
their color and even their texture of the outer layer of their skin or (laughs) shell. Or whatever. So they can make the texture of their shell like actually resemble like wood and metal. Right. Uh, They do this by shifting like a pigmented layer in between their interior and exterior body cells. So they have like this weird layer in between that's like a pigment that they can shift. That's really cool. Science. Science. This allows them to look exactly like what they're trying to go for. Wood, stone. It even has like the same texture yeah. that it would have. Because Mimic's like, it's not an illusion. They physically transmute themselves. Right. Yeah. They, while some of them do possess the ability to cast certain spells. <laughs> you have just blown Luan's mind. <laughs> I knew where that was going when you started speaking. And I just... Yeah. Hell yeah. It's not terrible. Like, they can't cast Fireball, but they do do certain things. I'll get to that later. Travis, can I play a Mimic in the next campaign? Please? No. No Mimics. Please? For players. Oh. I can neither confirm nor deny the Mimics will be a part of our next campaign. Can we have a Mimic buddy? Can we? Yeah, friendly Mimic NPC. And we'll feed it one of our characters. I'll think about it. Okay. (laughs) So, like I said earlier, they're naturally gray in color, and they have this very smooth, like, hard skin that gives them just a natural appearance of stone. Okay. So if they're hiding in stone, they don't really have to shift too much. They're just kind of that look already. Right. Like like real camouflage that, like, real animals possess. Yeah. So this pigmented liquid that they have are stored in these large muscular organs, and these organs act as both bags and pumps so when they squeeze the organs by like contracting all the muscles inside their wall like their muscular walls right this causes the liquid to like disperse out and fills hundreds of capillaries that are beneath the surface of the skin what the fuck so as they're twisting and contorting to form this pigment is being squeezed out to fill the rest of their body into whatever they're trying to shift to. Okay, can I just say, like, that is very detailed and very, like, I love fake science! (laughs) Fake fantasy science! Because, like, you know, you would think that it was, like, at some point it it was expanded upon that mimics don't operate on illusions they physically transform themselves but, like, you would think that maybe that would be where somebody would stop. Yeah. Um, it is worthy to note that, at least in the Dragon magazine, this was actually something that they said they put in the magazine itself. Like, this came from a journal of a wizard who studied mimics. So this is all coming from, like, a... Fake in-universe science! Yes, like, this wizard studied the these mimics for a long time to get this information. I mean, what board did he submit this to? What Was peer- it peer-reviewed? Yeah, what peer-review did this go through? Maybe he Everyone. just... Everyone. Because oh. he was the oh. only one that was willing to sit there and study a mimic. Fair enough. Do you know how hard it must be to study something that can shift into a fucking chair? I mean, maybe if it's or a, a doormat. Maybe if it's a friendly NPC, you could just ask him to tell you about how his body works. <laughs> Jesus, hey, I mean, that's hey what buddy, I do. What do your body do? That's what I do to all my new friends. I feed them a slab of like live meat, and then I ask them how their body works. I don't okay. recall that. Um, well, we were young. We were young. You just don't remember. Fair enough. 
That's a little... You know what? Never mind. So these capillaries. Uh-huh. Uh, once they're filled, it actually gives the capillaries themselves, like, a wrinkled look. Ew. Okay. Which causes the texture to stand out. Okay. Oh, okay. So the texture you're seeing are the, just these little hundreds of capillaries all throughout the body that have been filled with this pigmented liquid. That reminds me of octopi, actually. Yeah, octopi and cuttlefish, which is what I based that. Yeah, that I made the rock. Yeah, like, that... Is actually that actually has like some grounds in like real life biology, which might be where they got it from. Also, so, just imagining them in their like form that you're talking about, I'm almost imagining like a grayscale like Ditto from Pokemon. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Yes, with because, these little po- um, yeah. What would you call them again? Pseudopods. The pseudopods. Yeah. And he's got like his little dumb Ditto face, Ooh. or it's like a treasure chest with the little Ditto face. Like they make the plushes of other Pokemon with Ditto's face. It's like <laughs> that, but a treasure chest. Yes. This isn't translating, but I'm doing like a Ditto dance. Taylor's doing the wave over here. Yep. So when they reverse this process, they usually, like, start to contort and twist their body again, like, in very odd ways. This shifts the pigment back into the, like, little sacs, Mm -hmm. the organs, and they revert back to their natural form. They will constantly grow these replacement layers of skin beneath the outer layer. This is to help replace the outer layer if it gets worn down by fighting, by eating... Or by moving. (laughs) Yeah, because they scrape on stuff. Yeah, so I'm about to go into detail on how these things move, and it's fucking creepy. I've never actually thought about this. It it is it's creepy. I, you know I'm, what I thought they did is they like they're in like chest form and then they like catapult themselves like with their tongue, <laughs> like they shoot their tongue out like a frog <laughs> and it sticks to something and, and they just like drag them. themselves. You're not. Totally wrong. Can I talk about what I thought? I keep making jokes, and then they turn out to have a basis in something. Anyway, yes. What did what you, you think? What do you? What's your? Theory? I thought that they shape shifted into a chair, and then they just <laughs> used their little chair legs to flop around. Like also not technically wrong. It's like when you like scooch a chair up, except it's just doing it by itself. Yeah, except like okay, so like all I can think of, and I want to say this is a Disney cartoon, uh, like. Real early in Disney, like, Mickey Mouse was one of their biggest things, Disney. Yeah, like Steamboat Willie. Yeah. Well, maybe not that far back. I don't no, know. not that far back. But, like, the legs were, like, moving, like, the legs of the chair were, like, moving, like, human legs and, like, flopping oh, yeah, down. Oh, weird, like... Oh, wasn't that in Fantasia? No. That was in Fantasia, yeah. Or they're, like, yeah. Fantasia brooms. You know? Yeah, like, the, the brooms. Fantasia brooms. <laughs> <gasps> Mickey was the wizard that made them, and they were all brooms at first. <laughs> And now we have a Disney canon for Mimics. No, that's not true, because he just animated the brooms. That's a different... And we should not make that joke, because Disney can be incredibly litigious. That's true. Never mind. <laughs> Cancel that. Guys, Disney Disney bought Dungeon <clears throat> <laughs> So, in Disney. order to move, they use the strong, like, pseudopods that they have with the sticky, like, glue-like substance. Gross. It doesn't specifically say that they do this in their original form, so they can probably do this in any form that they choose. Probably. So they take these pseudopods and, like, reach out and, like, grab the floor with them. And then pull themselves. And pull themselves across. Oh, my God. Because they can activate and deactivate this glue substance whenever they want, and they never stick to themselves. So they, like, a chair... Uh-huh. It would be like reaching these pseudopods out and just scooting itself across the uh, floor with the sticky glue <laughs> substance. I hate it. 
So they just latch onto something and just pull themselves along the surface. Okay, hear me out. Official Dungeons and Dragons horror movie where a person gets trapped in a house with a mimic, and that's like one of the scenes. Like the mimic doesn't realize oh, they're in the room. I've got something for that later. So it, uh, Oh, no. I should just stop making jokes, but it's like... They're it's all like, true. Stop it. <laughs> I have the power to make things be true with my jokes. So, but it's just like, the mimic's like not aware that the main character's like hiding in the room. So it just like kind of pseudopods out for a second and just like this grayish like, you know, part extends from the chair and just like... Just and plops. just drag. <sighs> like a plop and a drag. Oh, here's something that'll give you some nightmares. It's a good old plop and drag. They can move just as easily across ceilings and walls that they can on a flat Whoa. floor. How quickly can they move? That is actually the one thing that they're not sure about. They don't know what exactly the distance travel of a mimic's how lifespan is, is. How are they not sure? There's a stat block. What is their move speed, Travis? Tell me. <sighs> Give me a sec. I'm literally it. looking it up because it's gonna because like imagine it being like very quick. Nope, I have the stat block for the mimics of fourth edition here. Actually, I had it just randomly pulled up. Like, what's their movement speed? Their just... speed is five. In fourth edition, their speed is five. Okay, that might just be their in combat speed too, though, because like <laughs> because like I'm just imagining something like <laughs> like making this like splat sound every time it's like quote-unquote foot impacts the floor. Just like... Um, in 4th edition, there is actually something called an impersonator mimic that actually impersonates people. What the actual fuck? Yeah. Actually. That's... Yeah. They like to hang out with Rakshasa. So there's you a little bit about how they fucking move. That is... I'm just like... I'm just imagining one, like, just booking it and just, like... So, also... Oh, you know what else I was thinking? Well, never mind. It's another Disney property, so never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these pseudopods, obviously, they use to attack with, which... Yeah. In my mind, I always just kind of assumed, like, they had the tongue that you see in the pictures or, like, they're just biting people. No, like, this fucking pseudopod can stretch out from the side of his chest and just thump you over the head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a, like, Pikamuku. Um, <laughs> the glue that they secrete is used to trap their prey, so... Yeah, you get stuck to it. You hit it, and you stick, and you can't really... You can't, like, wedge your, your arm or your weapon or whatever free. Yeah. Can't shillelagh that shit. No. <laughs> Mimics are generally only interested in their personal safety and food. Right. So they don't... They, they're not, like, pack travelers. They don't... Actually, they don't like to live together most of the time. Because they're competing for food if they do that. Right. Yeah. So they're usually solitary. If you find a room that has, like, two mimics in it, that's a little uncommon. But if you get one that's got, like, four or five, that's really rare. And that usually doesn't happen. You That sounds like the kind of thing that it's a trap that someone placed. They exactly. lured the mimics in and then... Not a, a mimic decided that they're going to chill there. But. In a little mimic compound. <laughs> so while the general mimics are more intelligent and you can reason maybe with them. reason with, the killer mimics are the kind of uh, eat first, ask later thing. There are yeah. some that develop a higher intelligence, but most of them are just the dumb and brutal. And you said these are larger. Right. These are like a 
Slice category bigger than a general mimic. Okay. So would this be like the tweet you made a few weeks ago about the ship mimic? A boat mimic? Yeah. That would probably be considered a killer mimic. I did not hear you say ship, by the way. (laughs) A shit mimic? And I was like, wait, I don't remember this. Yeah. Uh, Travis's ultra terrifying tweet a few weeks ago about uh, taining passage on a ship and then suddenly... The ship transforms and tries to eat you. Go ship. Yep. So, like I said, the killer mimics, some of them can have a higher intelligence, and they can be bargained with. There is one exception with these ones, though. If this bargain leaves the adventurer in a weakened state, they'll just eat them anyway. Oh. So it's like, if you let me go, I'll cut my arm off and feed it to you. I don't I don't know why that was the first thing I pulled, but... Yeah, or something weird like that, but if whatever... It, or you, if you offer maybe to give it, like, your magical sword or something like that. And it looks and goes, okay, well, it doesn't have anything to fight with. It's just going to change its mind and... Eat you. Eat you. These are, uh, these are creatures that are not afraid to go back on a deal. Double and cross. And they do not have any fear either. They don't care about being outnumbered or overpowered. They will still try to fight and kill their prey regardless. I'm trying to think of an animal that that's analogous to. Um, I can think of, like, a couple of Pokemon. <laughs> I don't know why I got Pokemon on the brain now, because, like, that Because that of comparison, the amorphous blob. Amorphous blob made me think Ditto, and I'm yeah. just thinking Pokemon. Yeah. Maybe I'll think of one by the time we release this episode. Or, or you'll think of it, like, in a few minutes, and then I'll just, like, shout it out in the middle of one of, like, Travis is speaking, you know, just shout something out. <laughs> yeah. Apropos of nothing. How do you think mimics see? They have little eyes, right? Do they have blind sense? Actually, no. Is they their body have an eye? Pretty much. They they have little... Stop making jokes, Lewin! <laughs> they, they have little patches of pigments that aren't like the capillaries. They are called eye spots. And they exist all over the mimic's body. This is also why mimics are generally very sensitive to sunlight. Okay, that makes sense. And also, like, I would imagine hard to sneak up on, too. Right, because they're very sensitive to heat and vibrations as well, because they're everywhere. So they they can feel the vibrations, they can feel a heat change. They have, like, they're basically a blob of pigment and nerve endings. Pretty much. So, obviously, bright sunlight, well, basically blinds them. Okay, That's, that's good. Which is why they generally prefer to stay in, like, underground areas. So if you come across a mimic and you know... A, like, what is it? A flare? Uh, there's daylight. There's Probably flare. daylight. There's probably, like, maybe light spells even in general. Would yeah. Yeah, depending. you can just do that and it'll blind the mimic for at least a round or two. Okay. Mimics are immune to the effects of alcohol. That is what? incredibly, that is an incredibly <laughs> specific detail, but I'm very thankful to whomever decided that that was um, a fact. Bill. Like, they don't get drunk or anything, but they'll still take alcohol as, like, an offer and a bargain. Okay. Because they still make use of alcohol's inherent nutrients and sugar. Okay, so it's like, it, it's not what I wanted, but I'll still take it. Or maybe it. they like it. They just like it. <laughs> they they like the taste, but they don't get any effects from it. Yeah, so like They some can drink people. as much as they want, and it don't matter. Oh, God, alcoholic mimic who just really wants to get drunk but can't. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh poor guy. They are also unaffected by slime, any kind of mold, and even the corrosive secretions of black pudding, gray ooze, okra jelly, stun jellies, and gelatinous cubes. 
Black pudding. I had to look up what the fuck a black pudding yeah, is. Yeah, I was gonna ask. So, black pudding are basically just heaping piles of, like, black-looking ooze. Mm-hmm. Some can be white or gray or brown, but most of them are black. They're known colloquially as black pudding. Um, they usually measure about 15 feet across, 2 feet thick, and weigh nearly 18,000 pounds. Oh my god! They secrete this acidic substance that is used to dissolve wood, metal, armor, bones, pretty much anything other than stone. Right. And that's how the black pudding kind of sustains itself. It dissolves things to and attains nutrients. Yeah, because they'll eat whatever that they can dissolve. It doesn't matter. As long as they can dissolve it, they'll eat it. So... Yeah, no, I, I had heard a little bit about those guys. I, I had not. I didn't even know that that was a thing until just now. Me neither. So if a black pudding tries to do that to a mimic... They're not going to get anything? No, it won't. The acid won't affect them at Unstoppable all. Unstoppable force meets a movable object. Legitimately, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, they can not just disguise themselves as smaller inanimate objects. The can a mimic ones. eat a black pudding? Uh, this might be something we'll have to look up later. Maybe. We'll have to see. I'm not sure about that. Check our black pudding episode for the answers. <laughs> or perhaps the ad break. <laughs> perhaps. So larger ones go into like stone partitions and walls. They can transform into cliff overhangs, like an overhanging arc. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> so like uh, your full like rock wall. So your party finds like a nice like rocky outcropping in a field. To protect them from the rain, and then it just... Blah. And then it just eats them. We're making a lot of gross noises with our mouths. It, it's mostly me. I, I don't know why. Yeah, I Have fun editing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm screwing myself over right now, but like, I, there's just something about mimics that I just... I want to make all the noises for them. So I found this really cool story about a mimic that survived in Waterdeep. Okay. Okay. It was pretty insane. It survives in Waterdeep for two years. Like, within the city? Within the city, in its busiest market. What the fuck? Yes, it is insanity. But I'll tell you after the break. Boo! No, I need it! Yep, you'll get it after the break. (sighs) Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt this lovely, fascinating topic that is the mimics. I was excited when you brought it out. I mean, I was mad at first because you were going to try and make us do an episode on tables, but then it got better. Loot tables. No. (gasps) Table mimic. (gasps) Table mimic. This table's a mimic. What about an ad mimic? I don't know how you would do that, but... Me neither. In any case, thank you everyone for listening so far, and hopefully you continue to listen and enjoy this episode. Mimics were... Fascinating to research. And can and, I just say it? Kind of gross. Yeah, yeah, very gross. Honestly. I never thought about how they moved the whole squishy pseudopod thing. It's just, it's a weird... It's nasty. It's a weird thing. Just wanted to pop in here and do our normal little ad thing to beg you guys to follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at Dungeonpedia. We get less and less charitable every week. I mean, ourselves. yes, towards ourselves. It, it I mean... It happens. We're essentially just begging. We're sad. We're not sad. We're not sad. We're actually very happy with the amount of progress we've made and the 
surprising number of followers and listeners we have. It has been incredible, and we want to continue to encourage everyone to actually follow us. We're trying to post interesting pictures and videos of like when we decide to go mini shopping for no mm-hmm. reason. And memes. Important And reasons. memes. That somebody created specifically for the Aserac video. Aserac episode. Episode. Video. And I know I mispronounced it on purpose. Gotcha. Video podcast. The Aserac episode. Yeah. So please go over, follow us. You might be amused at least a little bit. Hopefully. And although it is a little bit less active, we do still have our Tumblr. And every now and then post fun stuff. Reblog pictures, art, and memes, post updates, memes, hot takes. hot takes, and that is at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. We are currently working to resolve the. We're a little behind on transcripts, and we're trying to figure out a way to make sure that we can make this as accessible as possible. But also, we are currently, I mean, there's only three of us, and we do all of the work ourselves, all of the editing, all of the research. While working our full-time jobs. Yeah. So we're working. We are going to try and get everything figured out and try and make this as accessible as possible for everyone. And we'll be making an announcement in regards to the future of that and what that will look like and keep you guys as updated as possible. And that might actually be up by the time this episode airs. Speaking of keeping up with you guys and communicating with you guys, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Send us comments, questions, criticisms, and ask for certain topics that you're really passionate about and want to hear us delve into. If you happen to draw fan art, you can send us that too. If you happen to just have really cool D&D art that you want to show us, you can send us that too. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably share it. And just if you do send it to us and you have like a Twitter or an Instagram and we're going to share it, just tell us what you're... Or Tumblr. Tumblr would be good for that, too. That, too. Tell Just us what your tag is so we can at least tag, tag you. you correctly. Yeah, we want to make sure that if you if you send us stuff for us to, like, share, we want to make sure that we're sharing who you are as well. If we got fan art, I would literally die, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, remember to rate us and subscribe to us um, on whatever platform you listen to us on. Also, reviews on any platforms where that is an option are also really appreciated. I know for a fact iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah. And that thing where if there's a particular platform that you like that we're not on, you can just copy the RSS feed, right? Yes. From our Rust Sprout? That's how that works? Yes. Okay. The There should be a link to copy the RSS feed and you just get that and you're good to go once yeah. you put it wherever and, you listen. Yeah. And as helpful as those are, uh, it would also be even... I say, I say even more. I just appreciate all of it. But... If you want to tell your friends that you think would be interested in this, um, especially mimics, I feel like mimics, mimics. Are, are just are just one of those really really iconic D and D things. Um, but tell your friends that you think might be interested. Tell your tell your parents. I don't know why that was the next poll, but um, like, but like, spread the word. Yeah, share us on social media. Tell your friends if you would. Um, we really appreciate that. Big thank you to Alexander Nakarada for our theme song at the beginning and end of every episode. Blacksmith. He also, last week, was responsible for the spooky music that was inserted in there. That's that's right. He is probably one of our favorite, like, free uh, public domain artists. Like, he does amazing work. Just- and I'm 
really not even sure if he's still doing public domain music, but the ones he at least has up right now... They're great. ...are great. I have tipped him for literally every... I mean, like, I know that this is only, like, two, but, like, for the two songs that we've downloaded, I've tipped him, and I've paid, like... Because he has it open, so, like, you don't have to buy it, but you can tip him, and I have paid for uh, a couple of times. Essentially times. for them, yeah. Yeah, and if, if you want to, like, he has the option there. And also, if you have any kind of creative content where you want to use, like, an instrumental, he has amazing work. Go check him out. Yeah, you're great. Thank you, Alexander. Can I call you Alexander? Well, I well. already did. Well, thank you for taking a second to listen to our social media plugs and stuff here. And we'll get back to the mimicry. Mimics in Waterdeep. Yes. Yes. This, I'm uh, so excited. Uh, what is it? Waterdavian? Is that? Waterdavian. Yeah, I think This Waterdavian mimic. Tell yes. me about Tell me about this. Um, so basically, this mimic somehow, it's still not even sure how, wandered into the busiest market streets of Waterdeep. And wound up disguising itself as a statue there. Oh wandered, my God. wandered in sneakily, making its stupid little goop goop sounds. I'm not gonna do it again. Somehow, yeah. And it remained there undetected for two winters, basically two years. It stayed there as a statue in the middle of the busiest square, undetected. And I assume it was eating people in this time too. Uh, yes, because it was only noticed when a chronic disappearance of the street derelicts, basically the homeless, ah. yeah. uh, started to become more noticeable. Ah. So an investigation went into how, why, where these homeless people were going. Right. They wound up talking to the sculptor who had like done all of the statues in that square and he pointed out this one statue that he was unfamiliar with. He was like, I didn't build that. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. Look at that shoddy craftsmanship. That's not mine. <laughs> and upon further investigation, they noticed there was a sewer next to the statue, like a sewer opening. <gasps> Ooh. When they investigated the sewer, they realized it was filled to a depth of more than 60 feet with human and animal bones. Oh my god. <laughs> 60 feet of human and animal bones. Well, that answers my question about do mimics eat bones? Uh, apparently not. Uh, unlike uh, black pudding, they don't eat bones. Right. So, you know, they were like, okay, that's not good. No. That's bad, one may say. Even after this discovery, they didn't realize the statue was a mimic. Until there were two of the city watch that started, like, poking at it with their spears carelessly, and it wound up eating them. Oh, no! And then people realized that statue is not a statue. That's a mimic. I imagine that was, like, the two city guards just like, listen, I know this is really stupid, but let me try something. And then they were right. Poke it. And, like, I assume that they poked it and their spears started to, like, stick to the statue. And then it ate them. Hey. And then it was like, well, fuck, I'm already, I'm already in. I'm in too deep. They're going to know anyway, so. Yeah. May as well just eat the cards. So apparently they can be pretty stealthy. I'm still not sure how this thing got into this town square. No one is. 
I mean, to be fair, perhaps it, it could have come in. I mean, and I don't know if it specifically stated that this was or wasn't true, but it, it could have potentially come in in like the middle of the night when nobody yeah. was out or there. Or maybe through the sewer system itself. It could have. That would actually be. It just like gooped its way up out of that sewer and was like, it saw like, you know, some uh, like a vagrant, you know, sitting in a nearby alleyway. and was like, fuck, I guess I live here now. <laughs> the food is endless. It was a very steady supply of food. Two quick things. First of all, good on Waterdeep for noticing like its homeless population was disappearing. Like yeah. that that <laughs> most places would actually just be like, you know what? I'm not going to question it. It's fine. Yeah, it's they, whatever. Waterdeep officially cares more about its homeless population than like any real city on earth. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And then second question, did the rest of Waterdeep just get together with a bunch of weapons and go to town on the mimic? It didn't specify, but I'm going to assume they actually probably got the city watch around it to help destroy it. It was like a, no, it was just like a landmark. <laughs> like, oh, oh, don't go too close to that statue, son. That's a mimic. I mean, not to be they that, don't do anything that asshole, it. but I'm going to assume most of the people didn't care much about the homeless because they probably didn't have many, like, family. No, you're yeah. right. Like, that. that's my thing is that, first of all, smart ass mimic. For realizing that he was picking off prey that no one was going to notice. Right. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it it, just, it still surprises me that eventually people did notice. Because I feel like in almost any city, people don't notice the absence of the homeless. They only notice when the homeless are bothering Which them. Which is busted, by the way. But Yeah, I mean. You know. You're it, not wrong. It, it's just a fact of politics and, like, life that yeah. you, if you get used to seeing something, you just d- you don't see it when it's gone. You only see it when it's in an excess. Yeah. Especially if it's mm-hmm. something you try and ignore. So did they Did they just not... Did they actually dispatch the Mimic for sure, though? Or did they just, yes. like... Okay. They wound up, like, dispatching the Mimic, killing it, and hopefully kept a better eye on statues after that? I don't even know what... That seems like a rare, like, fluke, though. For yeah. For a Mimic to yeah. get in the middle of a square. And it also must not have been... It must have become adept to the sun because it yeah. was out in the sun the entire time. It was an exhibitionist. Maybe maybe he just like slept during the day and like it tried to ignore everything and then like at night that's when he It eat. started eating. Relatable. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. I mean to be fair, I don't eat people in the middle of the night, but I do sleep during the day. Also true. The skin of a mimic is said to be able to be used in the making of a polymorph self-potion. Okay. Oh, yeah. So their skin does have some use other than to just them. Slam a good old vial of mimic juice. <laughs> mimic Ew. fluid. Ew. Mimic secretions. Gross. Another variant of the mimic was written about in Drag- Dragon Magazine 101, the issue 101. Uh, This particular one was called the Metal Mimic. Okay. It's a larger cousin of the Ordinary Mimic, carries all of its basic abilities of, like, shaping into wood and stone. The only difference is it can also transform into any raw or finished metal. Uh, okay. It takes the color, the luster, and the texture of any metal it shifts into, except for adamantine. It can't form that. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, these are where we get into the mimics that can cast spells. The metal mimic can cast the light spell up to six times a day, and whenever it attacks, it'll form its pseudopods into swords or daggers. 
to attack with. That's cool. Huh. Here's the cool part, though. Uh, those weren't the cool parts? Nope, this is even better. A general tactic for it is to hide as an object, like a table or a chest or something. It'll transform one of its pseudopods into a sword or dagger, and then cast light on that pseudopod to make it look like it's an enchanted blade. That's fucking dirty tactics, Mimic. Good on you. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, I'm imagining a metal Mimic being at, like, the end of a dungeon, and it's, like, transforming itself onto, like, a little pedestal, and there's, like, an enchanted-looking dagger on it, and you grab it, and it's like, nope, your hand's stuck to the thing now. Now, Also, your hand is gone because it got bitten off. Exactly. Now, I know what other people are thinking. Okay, you can always use the tech magic, and it's not going to come off, except that they can also cast a spell called Nistul's Magic Aura once per day on its form pseudopod. The spell causes a false positive when detect magic is used. Oh, wow. Hate false positives. (laughs) So it enchants its pseudopod and then casts the spell. So if a detect magic spell is used, it just pings as magical. Seems legit. Yeah. So you just have no idea. Just, oh, we verified it. I'm going to grab it. Um, So I don't know if this is something that they explicitly have like talked about and you mentioned that you know the killer mimics are larger than ordinary or metal mimics or whatever but do they have to stay within constraints of certain dimensions when they transform yes okay um so they can't they can't make themselves into an object that's much smaller than they are they smaller yes they have a certain so they can condense themselves down pretty well. It's just expanding is harder. Right. They have like a cubic. Like a limit of like cubic. Area that uh, they can yeah. fill okay. basically. Because when you when you mentioned metal mimics, what I imagine was like a mimic transforming itself into a piece of jewelry. And then you're like, it like oh transforms itself into like a choker and like. Blah, blah, that's right that's really. I want that. I, I Like, that's horrifying. I don't want that, but I want that. That was my first thought. And yet, in the third edition Monster Manual, the mimics are said to be able to fill any object that fills roughly 150 cubic feet. So up to 150 cubic feet, it can... That's still pretty big. That's pretty big, yeah. Yeah, mimics are pretty big in the third edition. Like, they're they're getting pretty monstrous. And that also, like separates to where there's not two different smaller and larger ones. They're just different mimics. types. They're just mimics. There's one type yeah. of mimic. They're all bigger or Rel- can be bigger, intelligent. Relatively intelligent, yeah. Okay. So they, they're more diverse. Right. Yeah, as opposed to like, this is a killer mimic, it does this, and this is an ordinary mimic, yada yada. So I mentioned earlier that there's something having to do with like a mimic hiding is... In a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Dungeon Magazine, another magazine written for <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Personally, my favorite runner though is And Magazine. <laughs> That's my favorite. Jesus. Uh, so Dungeon Magazine nineteen, there was a small adventure written called The Vanishing Village. Oh. Uh, the adventure was meant for a party of five to seven characters of levels fifth to eighth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's uh Basically, the plotline to it, spoilers if anyone was planning on doing this, called the House Hunters moved into this village. Sorry. So the House Hunters 
<laughs> are large mimics. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god. We're taking this Hi. super seriously, okay? I'm sorry, it's just the name. I'm just I know. They didn't name it great. Hi. My name is Bob and I'm a doctor. And, and- I'm <laughs> Lissa and I and I <laughs> make moth houses. I don't know why I said doctor. That's too general. Yeah. And probably makes too much money for the, the kind of budgets that people somehow manage to pull. And our budget is $450,000. And I wish. We've always wanted to, to live. We're from Toro, but we've always wanted to live in a beer because it's so exotic and we love the culture. But we're... <laughs> Looking for a large thing. I can't. I'm sorry, you guys. And I want Toral amenities. I don't care if it's in a beer-style home. I want Toral amenities. And I need it to be as big as a house I can get on Toral. I'm sorry. Beachfront property. <laughs> Beachfront or okay. nothing. I'm so sorry. And I need an east-facing window so I can do my pseudopod yoga <laughs> in front of it in the morning when the sun comes up. Pseudopod yoga. Pseudopod yoga. I'm sorry. I'm so Travis sorry. is just making the most despondent uh, face. I'm done with you guys. I'm done. I quit. I think I'm done after that visual. <laughs> so, the house, house hunters. hunters. The house hunters. Uh, these particular mimics are larger relatives. They're huge. Like, okay. they're the size of houses. Okay. Okay. Uh, they have gained the ability to live above ground, light, sensitivity doesn't bother them, and they actually will assume the forms of small houses and cottages. Oh my god. Monster house. Yeah. Monster house. That's that uh, monster house. Yeah. They form their outer shells to look like the stone and wood of houses, and they have these bony plates that cover, like, the mouth and tongue. These bony plates are formed into the doors and shutters of the house. There are three different sizes. There's the young ones that resemble usually smaller buildings like outhouses, workshops, Tiny houses. what have you. Tiny houses. The adult forms, which are just the actual normal size houses and cottages. Single right. family homes. And ancient ones. Oh. McMansions. That form into larger buildings like inns, temples, ruined towers, mansions. Mimic mansions. Yes. So this whole adventure was written over this town that basically became overrun with these with these mimics. Oh, that's so fucked oh up. Oh my god. It. Oh my god. Obviously, unlike regular mimics, these are pack hunters. Yeah. And they move as one and they cooperate together to capture their prey. It's speculated that they can conversate through telepathy. I mean, no one's been able to prove that. Right. That's a thing. They can all produce a dim flickering light that resembles like the flickering of a candle or lantern light. Oh my god. And they can imitate virtually any domestic noise, such as muffled voices, clucking hens, the ringing of like a tower bell. That sounds like a stovetop maybe, you know. Yeah, they can pretty much make it sound like someone's in this building or in Making this house. Tea, the yeah. little hissy tea kettle. Yeah. She. So whatever structure they're imitating, they can make imitation sounds to lure prey in. They basically form this town of themselves and eat people that move into them. That's amazing. Whoa. Okay, also, like, can I just say, this is, because, like, you know, mimics are like the the meme enemy that's like 
you know, it's, it's your your party is like suspicious. Like I know that it felt like a, a running joke for us a lot of the time that was like we would encounter something and be like, it's a mimic. Yeah. You know, like even if our characters didn't suspect it, like we would out of character joke about it being a mimic for a long time. Or if it like it wouldn't necessarily make sense because we literally just thought mimics in the last room, we would be like, oh, that's a mimic. Yeah. Like as a, as a joke. But like that actually just then has like heightened my sense of paranoia because it's like the whole house could be a mimic. We could happen upon a nice town with like a nice looking inn, and it's like, no, fuck you. This house gonna eat you. Like, nope, house just gonna a mimic. eat you. Oh, you better run. Even more creepy is the fact that the adults and ancients can actually talk. Oh it's, God! It's just like in a very crude and broken form of common. Who dares disturb my slumber? That's what I immediately, immediately imagined. So like, this house can just talk to you and eat you. Sup, bitch? And then the <laughs> door just, like, expands on itself and just, like, chomp. But even though they can talk, they don't negotiate. Okay, so they're just assholes. They're just assholes. Talk. However, if you kill the mimic and, like, clean it out thoroughly, the shell can still be used as, like, a crude dwelling. No, thank you, actually. Okay, but also, how badass is that? Like, not like I I took creatures that I killed and hung them up in my house. Like, I killed my house. <laughs> That I is moved into it. That is pretty badass. I grant you that. I moved into the corpse of a creature that I killed. Pretty badass. Okay. Okay. You know what? I can see like some cr- like weirdo like Oh. Oh. I can see some like weirdo sorcerer, wizard, necromancer, one of the two. Lewin's vicious, <laughs> viciously pointing at herself. That's the only way I, I would can describe do that. it. I I can see that. But me personally, I would just be like no, I have too many memories of this place trying to eat me, so I'm going to pass, actually. Anytime it, like, makes a sound. You it's would, alive! You would immediately, like, stab the floor. Your ice, you hear your ice machine, and you're like, <gasps> or, so you have, like, a friend over, and they're like, oh, you have such a lovely home. Thanks, I killed it myself. <laughs> okay, it, it's per, it, it's good just for that joke now. Or, like, if it's, like, you killed a baby one, as, like, and it's your yeah. outhouse. You're pissing on its grave. Oh my god. See, I think I would prefer to just set it on fire and walk away, honestly. I love how, like, this was supposed to be the horror movie segment, but I just think it's funny. Also, I am sorry we made a bunch of dumb jokes when you were trying to tell us about that cool thing, because it is actually very cool. I'm not. You ruined it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You ruined it. Though, to be fair, I will say, as much as I'm making jokes about it, that does sound absolutely terrifying. Yeah, like... She's making jokes to avoid the fact that it is very scary. Yeah, because, like, you think, like, you happen upon a house like that, maybe, and something inside the house tries to kill you, not the house tries to kill you. Yeah. That's freaky. In this case, it's just, the house is going to kill you. Nothing inside of it, just the house. Just yeah. the house. It's fine. Mimics it's are fucking fine. terrifying. It's not yeah. fine. Mimics are horrifying creatures. Uh, that's pretty much all the information that I've uh, decided to delve up on these particular subjects. There are several variants to mimics from different editions, but that was the more interesting, common, like, lore to them. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to just going over the different variations. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, Minus the house hunters, which I just wanted to talk about. That No, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like you, you pulled all of the most interesting stuff about mimics 
for this. And I feel like I know a lot more about mimics, and it doesn't make me feel any better. So thank you. It actually makes me feel significantly worse. It makes me feel a little worse, too, honestly. And I'm not even the one that has to fight them. Yeah. I mean, if you let me make a mimic PC, you will have to fight it. That's probably still not going to happen. Okay. You know what? (laughs) I feel like mimics, like... They they're all about like blending in, but I feel like when they're moving, they should they should take a penalty to their stealth checks because they're just pseudopoding their way around. I'm not gonna make the noises again, but just remember the noises. Remember the noise. I'm trying to bait. I'm trying to bait you into making the noises again. I noticed. Oh oh wow! Thank you guys so much for listening. Even to my weird pseudopod noises. And also listening to the end of this episode, which we thought was going to be about loot tables. Yeah, just just for about a minute, but like... But still, thank you. It was a you. scary minute. Thank you for not like immediately like heading back. <laughs> yeah, that was nice of you. Yeah, but like if you stuck around, then you got the cool like... Mimic episode. The episode is a mimic. Featuring the, the noises. The episode is a mimic. Oh no! The episode's gonna eat us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Tumblr. On LinkedIn. Just kidding. Yeah, we don't have that. But you can subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, whatever your podcast player of choice is. If you have any topics you would like us to cover, except for loot tables, you can email them to us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can you can email us, tell us about your favorite encounter you've had with a mimic. Maybe you Yes. Please tell us about your encounters with mimics. Yeah, because they're so they're so versatile and wonderful and memeable. We would like to know. I I think like in our campaign that we played together, I think that we only ever encountered two mimics. Technically four. Okay. Well, I mean two different And I was only there for the one. Yeah. The jug. The jugs. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a broom mimic. That was actually not a mimic. Oh, that wasn't a mimic? That was just a cursed item that's called the Broom of Attack, I believe. Well, never mind. I was not there for that one. But tell us about your mimic encounters. I I, I love to hear about them. Tell us about your mimic experiences. This is the, We have a support group. This is a safe space. <laughs> and spread the word to your friends, especially if those friends have been killed by a mimic. I would also like to hear that. Or otherwise hurt. Yes. Otherwise hurt by mimics. <laughs> uh, get your friends... If you get your friends into this, we can all just share our wonderful Dungeons & Dragons experiences together. Yeah, get some new ideas in there, too. Which is always fun. But until then, thank you all once again for listening, and we will catch you here next week on Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia.